the Koi Gig part. I wouldn't even look at them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even prepare mm. to play against them because you do know what you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> we could beat them six nil, or we could lose six nil. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave for your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. This is News Talk. Uh, you're welcome along. Tuesday evenings Off The Ball coming at you. So at the foot of Division 1, and perhaps more worryingly, a crisis in their academy system, Carl Lacey's walked away as head of the academy. 40-odd coaches have followed him. We will ask Brendan Deveni just what's going on in Donegal football at the moment. That's at half past seven. Justin Campbell, if you are a Galway hurling fan, particularly of the 90s, he was once upon a time Galway hurler and now working as an addiction counsellor. Has a very interesting story to tell. He will tell it to us after 8 o'clock. And of course, it's Champions League evening. Chelsea Dortmund on the menu. It will do well to surpass Shamrock Rovers 4, Cork City 4 last night. Dan McDonald is here in studio for the evening. 53106 is the text number. Add off the ball on Twitter. Richie is with us. Evening, hello. Well, Joe. Uh, Dan McDonald, of course, uh, had his pick of games in the Dublin area to go to and uh, Shamrock Rovers 4, Cork City 4, was playing out not before his eyes. No, well, I, I obviously fancied some vinyl, so I went to Daily Man Park for the evening, yeah. some culture. Yeah. So, like, that's what I, I decided to go for that. And being truthful, I, I also probably was of the belief that Shamrock Rovers might win that game comfortably. And I'd been there on Friday... So obviously myself and uh, colleagues try and rotate a bit. I was in Tala on Friday for Shamrock Rovers Derry, which was an excellent game, like really good, like potentially the top two this year, more more than likely the top two, and served up a really high quality game of football on a good pitch in a good stadium. Who'd have thought that this could actually work as a concept? If you have a good stadium nice, nice. Yeah. and a good surface, you know all of these things. You know, good teams like to play football. Amazingly, it's a good product. You know, and that was it's, excellent. It's nice to see struggling teams with facilities like that. Though, oh, see, Richie's on pure smug mode here. Pure <laughs> smug mode this evening. Sorry, five days a week. Like, well, I mean, sorry, I, it, I want to make Seven it more specific. <laughs> Richie's on a particular smug setting. He's on a Bose <clears throat> smug setting as opposed to the default version. Um, mm. But now, like, I did want to go and see Bose in Daily Mount. Hadn't been for a while there. And uh, that was actually a very good game too. I mean, I, like, I'm, I know I'm sometimes like trying to rein Johnny in when he's sort of like very the league's in a great shape. And I'm thinking, just that, hang on there. Like, there's, a, there's, there's still a lot to fix and a lot wrong with it. But I have to say, like, the two games I've been to in the last four days have been great. You know, like, and like, you know, whatever Tala, seven and a half thousand people there on Friday. Um, Bows last night. Like Monday night games are generally just a real sense of. Uh, we're, we're cramming these into the fixture list there's no energy around them it's like Monday in general like you know sort of a Monday blues vibe around them they them out last night okay I don't think the away section was sold out but all the home seats were gone you know it's and the new Friday oh, like, well, Monday's the new Friday but it's it's Friday every night in Daily Mount you know like and just that like just chatting to people afterwards they're just sort of going what over 4,000 people there on a Monday night and maybe to some people that doesn't sound significant but like you think of league football in this country, probably more so than any other code, the regularity that it asks people to go, you know, is, is definitely one of the things. Like, you know, you've got, you know, a 30, 36 game season, 18 home games, but throw in cups and other stuff as well. And naturally there's a drop off, particularly like, you know, Monday night fixtures, school night, various right. things. Like it's, it's, and, and you're still seeing them pretty much full up and you're thinking, yeah, this is, this is good. Now, 
it is one of those feelings where you're watching the score updates fly in from somewhere else going this Cork game appears to be the Shamrock Rovers Cork game appears to be quite good there, someone's just scored from the halfway line yeah. you know um, like Shamrock Rovers considered four at home to Cork I, I wish I would be there because at that point Bowes were in control ish and, and the game was probably over but uh, I have no regrets Joe the school night point is well made I did say Nathan Murphy on Instagram say that he would have to be lying to his children about the match he had just attended the next morning <laughs> no you missed nothing <laughs> yeah. you missed nothing terrible yeah. game Terrible yeah. game. Don't go on the internet for the day. Yeah, and Pala, like the Rovers, there would have been a pretty pretty big drop off with the Rovers crowd from Friday because they do have a, like a very big family attendance there, and okay. their attendance would have dropped. Whereas Bowes in the city, and maybe a slightly, I mean, there is a family crowd at Bowes, but maybe a slightly different profile. They're able to sell out anyway. Yes. So uh, I mentioned Justin Campbell on the way. Very interesting man. Uh, Galway hurling fans, like I said, from the 90s will remember him. He played in the All-Ireland final against Kilkenny in 93. He won the under-21 All-Ireland in 91 with Galway. And then away from the hurling pitch, his life far from straightforward. He was the youngest of six and he lost both his parents when he was young. He was 10 when his father passed away. And then four years later, his mother fell ill, both with cancer. Lost both his parents, naturally enough, had his own struggles uh, with addiction and got himself sorted out in his mid-twenties whilst playing for Galway and then took his various qualifications later in life in the areas of counselling and psychotherapy and now runs a private practice. So Justin Campbell is going to join us after eight o'clock. Half past seven. The Donegal situation has maybe crept up on people I mean, in some respects, it's the sheer anger of former Donegal footballers on Twitter, which has drawn attention to the situation. Eamon McGee, for instance, uh, quote tweeted the Donegal County Board statement and said, a few days on from the joke of a statement, I'm still so mad that our County Board has decided to treat Carl Lacey like this. It's disgusting. Letting go of Lacey and the vision he had for our footballers will set us back so much. It's so disheartening to see. So what's happened here is that Carl Lacey who needs no introduction, four-time All-Star, All-Ireland winner, Footballer of the Year in 2012. He was appointed just over two years ago, January 21, as the head of academy development. And he has a master's in sports performance from the University of Limerick as well. He lectures in sports coaching. So he was overseeing the coaching of players under 14 to under 20. It seemed to be going very well. Last month, he stepped down. He mentioned a lack of support in his statement. And then in a show of solidarity for Lacey, uh, 40 other coaches resigned in support and they released a statement saying they had lost all confidence in the governance of Donegal GEA and they said of Lacey that they were extremely disappointed in how he was treated in his role. So it seems to be a bit of a mess to say the least. Brendan Deveni is going to join us at half seven to explain all. Just before we start the news round, two, I would say Dan McDonald related text messages. Okay. The first one may not be in your wheelhouse. The second one will, don't worry. Mickey Hart is doing a great job with Loud. Please comment. Thank you, Anonymous. <laughs> well, he is doing a great job with Loud, but... Uh, Why? I, you know, obviously his presence. But specifically, his though, specifically. <laughs> what would you say? Added well, I'd, I'd say it's just the buzz of this new stadium facility that's coming has yeah. just lifted, lifted the place, you know. Sheer, sheer, sheer force of personality. It's important. I mean, like, there is actually, you know... He's been around the block, you know. He's a proven winner. Yeah, like he's 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 come to the county. He's shown the medals. It's like sort of Mick O'Dwyer style tour of county, you know, the counties later on in his sporting life, something like that. Interesting. Yeah. Listen, this is why people tune in. That kind of specific detail. Not Just keep be, it between the lines. Not to be found. Just keep it between the lines. I mean, you know, it's true. What would Dan class as a good season for? 
Cork City. Talk down here, start of the season, was that they'd be doing well to stay up. But is Europe realistic, wonders Mick and Cork? Give me a short-ish answer here. Um, I don't think Europe is realistic, no. Um, but I don't think that would represent a bad season. I think a, a, a season for Cork where they were sixth, I think would be a top-class season for them. Well, like you look at Shells come up last season, they were the equivalent team. Yeah. And they finished, what, seventh? And they got to mm. a cup final. Um, and that was regarded as an excellent year. If Cork, you know, came sixth, like got to late, latter stages of the cup, I think it'd be a great year. Yeah. I mean, that club where it's been and a huge potential fan base, the fact that it's been a couple of years in the first division is. Like it's it's embarrassing for them really. So they just need to solidify it and get back on a. They had a new. They had a takeover by a new owner in December. I think it was quite late in the day, and and their squad probably like is it's they would be overachieving if they finished in the top half, considerably overachieving with the okay. squad they have. Okay, we'll talk more League of Ireland in the football show between nine and ten. Frank and Galway, Justin Campbell. That name brings me back. We'll be tuning in after eight o'clock. I think you'll be quietly, not quietly, very impressed, loudly impressed. Uh, Frank mm. and Galway's. Uh, fascinating man and then oh I'm in two minds about reading this one out in two minds more in the privacy side of the spectrum but we'll go there David and Dunboyne Joe thanks for the advice today he puts in brackets i.e. carrying a new baby I'm just after figuring out it was yourself <laughs> I'm only seven weeks at it and I'm dispensing advice oh my god are you pontificating about this like what, what no. someone had bad technique and you were just you sort of scolded them as they went past Joe. no that's not true that is very unlike Joe that's not true we were in uh, again without going into all the details we were in, we were in uh, a waiting room okay and uh, so I was there new arrival was there I was doing an exceptional job of you know holding the baby parenting <laughs> parenting yes yeah. and uh, prospective parent was also there and it was a, you know, a pleasant brief enough exchange and uh, Dave has just realised it was me now I was wondering why he didn't ask for a selfie at the time <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking you were like oh here we go can I not go anywhere <laughs> uh, yeah what was your advice <clears throat> I don't think I need to give it out to the don't radio. Don't drop it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. David and Dunboyne can take it or leave it, but there's enough information Because you're just deliver it in sporting cliche style, you know. Just yeah, it's about presence, I said. Yeah, it's, it's just a good start. Yeah. The news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night edition is available now, Dan. You'll be very happy to hear. Ultimate shave, yeah. So, Richie, we are starting with uh, news from the Irish squad ahead of Sunday. A few familiar faces returning. Yeah, and the fit again, Kieran Frawley has been included in a 37-man Ireland squad ahead of Sunday's Triple Crown showdown with Scotland. Frawley only made his Leinster start, his first Leinster start in four months on Saturday. Ulster back row Nick Timoney is also recalled to the Ireland squad, but there's no room for Joey Carberry. Meanwhile, Scotland have added Glasgow quartet Simon Bergen, Scott Cummings, Rory Darge and Stafford McDowell to their squad for Sunday's match. Stafford's an interesting surname. Fern, for, sorry. Uh, first name. Forename. Yeah. Stafford. Do you know any Staffords? No. I know Stafford surnames. Sort of feels like an American golfer. There should be an American golfer. Stafford McDowell. Uh, there should definitely could <laughs> be. It like, definitely sounds like an American golfer. Uh, there's a yeah. Hudson Swafford, isn't there? And there's a couple of... Yeah. Uh, you know, that's definitely the type of name you would expect. Yeah. I have to say your contributions here tonight. Uh, it's been cutting edge stuff. Well, I mean, really good. As good as your baby holding advice. <laughs> that that sounds, I was responding to a fan. Who <laughs> <laughs> just happened to tune in at seven o'clock and realise it was you. Listen. What a mistake. Yeah, listen, if you, I mean, if you want any more general sports observations. I know, it's really good. For you. Six Nations at the weekend, up for the game. So you, got, you heard that, folks. There was a Hudson Swafford <laughs> on the PGA Tour. 
Uh, Chelsea then, they're in action this evening against Dortmund. Hashtag friend of the Sprague, get it trending. Uh, Chelsea needs to arrest Borussia Dortmund's 11-game winning streak if they're to reach the Champions League quarterfinals tonight. Graham Potterside trailed by a goal to nil out of tonight's last 16 second leg at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea has switched from a back four to a back three tonight between the two legs. So Kepa Arisa Balaga starts in goals. Back three then of Wesley Fofana, Kaladu Koulibaly and Mark Kukurea. From right to left across midfield, it's Reese James, Enzo Fernandez, Mateo Kovacic and Ben Chilwell. Raheem Sterling and Joao Felix are in support of Kai Havertz up front. Uh, Dortmund have gone for a change of goalkeeper through injury so Alexander Meyer starts between the posts. Marius Wolf, Nicholas Sula, Nico Schlotterbeck and Rafael Guerrero are there back four. In midfield it's Emre Chan, Jude Bellingham and Saleh Uzchan. Julian Brandt starts on the right. Marco Royce on the left in place of the suspended Adeyemi who scored in the first leg of course and Sebastian Aller leads the line for them things will be far more straightforward you'd think for Benfica who hold a 2-0 first leg lead over Scott Parker's club Brooke they meet in Lisbon both games kick off at 8 uh, Pat Nevin in his usual way forecasted this he said Graham Potter will be switching to a back three sooner rather than mm. and now here we are less than a week after Pat said it to us I suppose to be fair Chelsea have had their fair share of success with Rhys James and Ben Chilwell as uh, roving uh, wing backs, but uh, I guess it's a big night to spring it. Champions League, this will be season defining in some respects for them. So it's Fafana, Koulibaly, and then Kukurella as one of the centre backs. Maybe he'll get licensed to go forward as well. Who knows? Chilwell and Reese James, Kovacic, Enzo Fernandez midfield, and then Sterling, Joe Felix, Kai Havertz in some mm. kind of combination up top. So we'll be watching that game very closely. Uh, Graham Potter over the weekend as they had a very boring nondescript 1-0 win Spurs blew up Arsenal did their thing and then all hell broke loose at Anfield I would say Graham Potter thought to himself great no bored columnists this week are going to be yeah, like, just writing about my body language or some nonsense like that he just needs a couple more weekends like that to just like get yourself out of the headlines because yeah. it does seem like the you know, the, the, the just been like in some places like it's like Chelsea are aggressively briefing this is absolutely fine we're keeping with Graham Potter no matter what and yet there's just been that slight slippage in the last week or two where maybe that doesn't seem to be as vetment yeah. in places or maybe it's just because it's Chelsea everyone's just almost not invested in the story because they know how it ends even though it's a different ownership it just feels like well we know what's going to happen there you know and that almost makes you less invested in it because it's just sort of like that's what Chelsea do yeah we've spoken about the Chelsea journey of their managers before and how you find it hard to buy into them because they're all so short I don't know where you are in the Potter one Uh, are you you stirred by it I'm curious because they're promising this is a new way of doing things that Potter is a a long term project building type and Mm. just look forward to them reneging on that in spectacular fashion and sacking him at some stage would he, would he have gotten, I do hope he does very well Potter would he have gotten a better shake at it than Lampard if he was to turf out now the answer would be no right because Lampard had the transfer embargo year so we had a long period of oh, time no, he's just, a but Potter to me is just and again maybe it's just because I like his story I think like he's an English coach who went went to Sweden and, and went about things in an interesting way yeah. so it would be typical if he got into a good job just gets turfed out like really quickly in very difficult circumstances he's not doing a good job we should say it's not going well but that was a chaotic summer but how can the players even be like invested in him when the way in which they've signed players would suggest like where's the input coming from you know and and like you've got these crazy deals with players for whatever reason on like eight year contracts and, and just 
you know, creating a, a weird vibe around the club that sort of feels like everyone's set up to fail with it. Yeah, we'll be uh, keeping a close eye all evening. Sean and Tralee, you've obviously whetted the appetite out there, Dan. Could we get Dan's take on Dublin's forwards play under Desi Farrell, he wonders? Well, I have to say, I was at Dublin, uh, Clare and Croke Park the weekend before last, where they had... Can I stop you there? Yeah. Was it a free corporate ticket? It, I'd say any <laughs> <laughs> pause Dan don't you're pause disgrace. I'll just say refreshments were consumed uh, during the exercise this is what you're dealing I with I wasn't folks. out with the grassroots like I wasn't I wasn't quite out with the did you watch any people. of the match I did watch the match yeah Dublin with a spirited comeback okay I think they, they woke up halfway through and realised they were losing to Clare that's what the people said to me and me sort of the other stuff said so and I know they were playing Derry at the weekend I do follow this stuff Joe yeah I just don't have any like sometimes you just got to stay in your lane and not and not just feel like you have to offer an opinion on it. Just no, that's to fine. It's refreshing. Fit in. Like yeah. you mean, you are talking about Chatham for an hour if you wanted, but don't see that coming up in the news round. It's unlikely. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hi guys, I just wanted to let you know I've ended my media blackout. I've banished all memories of Sunday and the number seven. It's great to be back listening. Says Bobby in Castle Connell. Bobby, I've got some great stuff for you on the football show. Some great stuff. There's a behind the scenes article on what Eric Ten Hag did I on saw Monday I've, morning. God, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm mad on that, actually. <laughs> I'm mad on the briefing of that and where that's coming from. That's great stuff. The leagues are back. Everything about Man United that was fun for the last few years is back. And then uh, Veghorst has had to take the social media. Have you seen this? I saw his post, but I. Apologise because Veghorst, beloved Manchester United player, as he was leaving the tunnel, gave the old This is Anfield sign a good pat of respect. Uh. And he's been torn apart and so he's trying to reassure the wonderful his words Manchester United fans that no disrespect was intended oh so sorry the inference is that he was sort of well it's a sign of deference there's the this is Anfield sign I'll he was happy it. just happy to be there the patch you know he's also I'm, very tall like I'm you might just, the place. He just you know probably just has to pat things as they go past them. his explanation seems to be along the lines of it was a degree of banter with Virgil van Dijk my national team colleague as in I was getting there first as if somehow Virgil van Dijk couldn't touch the sign if really I touched like, it. Like, no, they're grown men, I hear you, but yeah. that's, that's where we are. There's equally grown men giving out to him. Oh, no, no, there's a grown men giving out I would have the issue with. I, oh, no, would you? Oh, yeah. I mean, right. like, he, he, he feels the need to explain it, but he's... Sorry, you know. Like, well, he has what? touched a bit of plastic. <laughs> yeah, it's just like... Says this is Anfield, though. He's yeah. T- yeah, he has touched a bit of plastic. Like, it's just a perverse... Outcry at nothing. There has been lots like, of what would Roy make of this? Who cares? Well, indeed. <laughs> like, I mean, I just maybe it was just an instinctive thing that he did, not realizing that his entire life is like on camera. Now he's defined by it now. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's just what a way to be remembered. Look, I appreciate we are into day three. Of Tall picking. man, tap sign. We're into day three of picking at this game, but that's where we are. Very, very like, I, I, like, I, I say, I say this is a tall person. Like and I'm not excusing Veghorst or suggesting that he did this in any way. The amount of door frames that I have to go through when my hand goes up first uh, and then the head goes under, like it might he's taller than me, yeah. so there might well be something in that. Just he's just making sure that he's got clearance. Imagine you know, Richie just tapping signposts around Dublin as he just walks past him. You know, just after, it's any doorway done. Just have to tap. You don't want to see this. You don't want to see the scars in the top of my scalp. Like oh. it's, it's it's a war zone up there. That's not good. How tall are you? Six five. Are you six five? Really? Jeez. Yeah. It's good height. Deceptive. It's a good height. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I feel validated now. No worries. Um, so, we'll push on. Where are we going next? 
Uh, Leanne Kiernan's hopes of making the Republic of Ireland World Cup squad are ebbing away. Her Liverpool manager, Matt Beard, has revealed that the forward is still 10 weeks away from a full return to fitness. Kiernan is unlikely to return to action until May, leaving her scant time to prove her fitness to Vera Pau. Uh, staying on Merseyside, UEFA are to refund all Liverpool supporters who attended May's Champions League final in Paris. An independent review into the pre-game chaos outside the Stade de France lay the blame at UEFA and Paris Police. Meanwhile, Liverpool's principal owner, John W. Henry, Henry says Fenway Sports Group commitment to the club is stronger than ever following confusion about whether or not it was up for sale. The head of FSG says dealings in the transfer market will be informed by, quote, wise decisions. Speaking to the Liverpool Echo, Henry says there were simply formalising a way to find new investors last year and they will stick around, he says, for the long term. Interesting UEFA move. I mean, there's a degree of please don't boo our Champions League anthem like that. Please. Well, I mean, that's going to happen. Mm. So the refunding, I'd imagine, is complicated. Like, I don't know is that direct Liverpool allocation because you'd assume like quite a lot of tickets ended up going for above market value do they refund the touts that's what I'm trying to figure out like you know or like again the the paper trail for it like is probably uh, complex enough I I know there would obviously be a certain amount going for the club but I mean a lot of people out there who may have paid X amount for their tickets are probably wondering who's getting refunded it's a big win for the touts if they bought these tickets and then obviously they were sold on the street for cash and now the touts are also getting money Mar- back. Market price back, yeah. Yeah. It's a big, big result for them. Yeah. Because mm. I dare say not many Liverpool, oh, there'd be a paper trail, I was going to say, not many would have kept their tickets from a losing night. But if you if you've bought electronic... I know, you'll have it, like the way uh, things yeah. the tickets are bought now. No, I'd imagine most of it is fine, but there'd be definitely a couple of... Uh, couple of curious ones in there you'd have thought yeah I, somehow I don't think that will smooth over the booing of the anthem no I really just don't issues. think that's going to be uh, going to be the issue now uh, positive news on Aaron Bulger uh, Richie yeah, he was discharged from hospital following a nasty collision at Tallis Stadium last night. The Cork City midfielder was stretched off towards the end of last night's 4-4 draw with Shamrock Rovers. The Leaside Club have thanked all that tended to Bulger last night. It led to the injury time that allowed for Rovers' equaliser. The draw leaves Rovers second from bottom in the SSE or Tristy Premier Division without a win from the first four games. Manager Stephen Bradley, though, says they have been missing the suspended Roberto Lopez. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely, I think, if Pico's plan. Uh, especially tonight, we don't make um, their mistakes, um, but it's still not acceptable from our team, a team of this level and experience, to make uh, their mistakes we made when we defend them. And uh, we might just finish on uh, McElroy Richie's uh, at the players this week, which is unofficially fifth major big tournament. Yeah. Yeah, and he says the presence of Live Golf has ultimately been beneficial to the PGA Tour. Ahead of this week's Players' Championship at Sawgrass, McElroy helped present the proposed changes to the PGA Tour to its players today. There will be eight designated events which will have no cuts and fields of no more than 80. There will also be tweaks to the schedules of top players. McElroy was asked how the proposed changes went down at today's meeting. I think when more information and data was, was presented to them, they... You know, the people that maybe had um, reservations about it, I think, came around uh, or at least were more informed on their opinions, right? And and I think that, you know, the the tour executives did a really good job of basically just walking them through the slides that we saw um, in the board meeting last Tuesday, obviously not to the same degree of detail you know we were in that board meeting for almost seven hours last Tuesday so you know obviously we're all here trying to get ready for one of the biggest tournaments of the year you know so with that time crunch we um, we just sort of took the 
or they took the, the sort of most important slides and showed them to the membership. And um, yeah, I think it was good for them to see that and to see what the, the thinking is behind um, what we're really trying to do here. And, and, and I think the, yeah, the temperature in the room was you know, nowhere near as hot as, as I anticipated it to be once, once the information was, was sort of laid out. So, I mean, the PGA Tour is a very interesting place. If this is all uh, overly complicated and uninteresting to you out there, the short version is that sort of in response to Live Golf, the PGA Tour is trying to beef up its offering to the fan. So there are now designated events and these have the best players and the best players are all this season obliged to turn up. So, for instance, the Arnold Palmer last week had an amazing field. Mm. Players always has a good field, but these this year it's 12, next year it'll be eight. Designated events, the, the big players have generally said, we will be there. And so, and, and that's not controversial in and of itself. That's just positive. The most recent move is that the top players have requested, I mean, they won't say they've requested it, but they have. So there'll, there'll be no cut at these events, which is like a kind of great golfing tradition and was used to beat live over a, you know, over the head. That's a major tradition, yeah. yeah. And, and, and live, it's like, they don't even have a cut, you know, it's not real golf. And now suddenly these designated events, these elevated events won't have a cut. But maybe more controversially, when McElroy's talking about it, explaining it to the room there, the field, you know, your standard PGA Tour event will have 156 odd players plus change depending on invites or former champions. They're now going to dramatically reduce this down to maybe 70 to 80. And that will be like if you're top 50 the year before, if you're in the top 10 in the current year, or if you've like had a big win or two that season, you'll you'll manage to sneak your way in mm. into that 80. So the rank and file PGA Tour member who Rory was talking about there in the room is now locked out of these hyper uh, financially lucrative, no cut, because that's guaranteed money for the top boys uh, events. And so... What McElroy and the top players are trying to do is sell it to them as, look, we promise you, if you play well, you will get into these bigger events and your life will be fine. And ultimately, this will be good for all of us. But I think Liv has probably given the elite players a lot of leverage and they're starting to use it. Yeah, there's an element of pulling up the drawbridge about to, to some degree. Is, yeah. And I, I saw Eddie Pepperell, the European tour player, make the point over the weekend. And it's is true, like... Like isn't one of the big relationships between the European Tour and PGA Tour like the top 10 get your card on the PGA Tour the next year and this yeah. is part of the ones. now like for those guys it's such a hard road to get into the good PGA Tour events it's a couple of years designated events and yeah. it's going to be really difficult and you kind of wonder I don't know what's going to happen to, to golf in, in Europe and we'll see with this case coming up yeah. soon but are, are we going to end up like are, are are more of those guys in that sort of second tier going to gravitate towards Liv if they'll take them? You Probably, know what I mean? mean? Liv doesn't have much more room. And like... No, that's true. You know, before you feel suit, too sorry for the guy who's somewhere between 80 and 150, 160 on, on the PGA Tour pecking order, I mean, if they win one of the undesignated events, they're getting a million dollars plus healthy change, maybe a million and a half. They're doing very, very well. They don't need your sympathy. And there there's probably is an argument that the the real stars, the handful of the 10, 15 stars of the game were being underpaid in comparison with other like, sports. Would Seamus Power have got into the... Yeah, he's in. Uh, no, but would he have got into it on his good year, if you know what I mean? Yeah, because if, if you play well enough during the year... He would have, yeah. You'll, you'll get in. Because the, the phrase they keep using is um, you want the hot players as well. Yeah, Those okay. are good form. But there's no doubt 
it's not as the funnel is narrowed. Mm. And that's they're trying to sell that now to the tour at large. So that's what's going on. And McElroy's uh, very much I mean, chief yeah. chief uh, spokesperson. Sunday was great, though. To be fair, yeah. I th- look, these designated events are great for the fans. Mm. Maybe like the guy 150th on the tour didn't and, like it, but and Rory had a seven-hour board meeting on Tuesday to prepare for the week, and he's still there on Sunday, which is sort of crazy in its own way. We gotta go. We will uh, have Dan with us across the evening. Richie, thank you very much. Nice and Cheers.